Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business Show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business, a show favorite, a personal favorite. Alex Brill is with us. He is with AEI, the American Enterprise Institute, AEI.org, which is, without a doubt, one of my favorite think tanks, maybe my favorite think tanks, because it brings real, truly uh, real-world approach to public policy. And although it's philosophically right of center, is it's very interested, above all things, in what works and what makes sense. And so I'm a big fan of uh, what you do there, Alex. And, Alex, you work in fiscal policy. Uh, you were the chief economist for the House Ways and Means Committee at one point. I know you've worked for the White House um, when it comes to uh, these issues. And so you're uh, one of my favorite go-to people. And I have a lot of great go-to people when it comes to economic policies, but you're certainly one of my favorite and I thought, who better but to fact check the president's speech than Alex Brill. Alex, welcome to, to the program as always. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks for having me back on the show. It's always, it's always a real pleasure to be with you. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about the president's speech. Um, and, uh, you know, and of course, they're all, uh, the media is pretty hyper-focused on his little mistakes here and there, that he had little plug, uh, clubs along the way. That, that's the right-wing media. Uh, that does exist, and then the left-wing media is going uh, crazy over the uh, other other impoliteness of uh, Republicans during this speech. But there's a lot of policy stuff that was covered, a lot of important policy issues that were covered. And so uh, kind of give me your sense, you know, and, and so much of this subject to interpretation. We love to yell these days, fake news, fake news, but a lot of it is subjective, isn't it? And so talk about what was real, what you thought was real, what you thought was fake, not necessarily what you agreed with, but what, what you thought was, was uh, of interest in this and, and what was accurate. Sure, thanks. Um, you know, I, I, just as you said, there, there's been a lot of, I think, commentary in the last few hours about uh, specific words that were chosen or obviously uh, uh, inappropriate behavior from the, from, the, uh, from the audience and things like that. But, but the State of the Union addressed is a is a very important um opportunity for the president to state his agenda and to um express his view of the uh, the state of the world the state of the country the state of the economy and um last night president biden on a number of occasions talked about um the state of the economy or or fiscal matters and when the the data was good uh, did his best to 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 paint that picture and claim credit for for that. And um, my sense is that it's a a, a bit murky. I, to, in my knowledge, I'm not aware of him making any literal factual errors about the economy. I mean, in other words, I think that the statistics um, are are likely true and accurate. There's a good fact-checking team at the White House. Um, but the context for some of those things were really missing. And in, and in that sense, I think some of his statements were quite misleading. Uh, claims about um, the dramatic drop in the deficit during his presidency, which is simply the result of the integration of the, the pandemic relief activities. Um, in fact, you know, the projections of the deficit right before he came in were that it would be lower than it ended up being. You know, so this is, you know, he's claiming credit for something that was kind of baked into the cake. 
And similarly, well, he's made he made claims last night um, about job creation. Um, again, um, as a as a statistical matter, those those claims were accurate. But it's important to put them in context. Um, and a lot of this has to do with the pandemic and the rebound from the the pandemic. So we certainly do have yeah. more people working today than we ever have. Um, and we've gained a lot of jobs back in the last couple of years, but that's the key is that we gained them back. We only have about 3 million more than we did before the pandemic, though he points out that 12 million have been created under his watch. It's that kind of, of description that I think lack context, and that's important to keep in mind. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, uh, what Samuel Clemens, uh, the actual name of Mark Twain, uh, said was that there's lies, damnable lies, and statistics. And uh, we, I think we saw, I think we saw a little bit of that uh, last night with uh, with what he did. Uh, a lot of play with the numbers, and I, I noticed interesting. I, I, I looked at I looked at the person who's not on the president side, which would be in this case McCarthy, right? Speaker McCarthy sitting right behind him. Whenever whenever Biden's talking, you can see McCarthy's reaction. I thought he behaved really well. I appreciate that. Certainly more so than Pelosi during Trump's speech, but i got to admit, Trump makes it hard not to abuse the way he behaves. But what was interesting is uh, there was a, a certain uh, largely blank expression, quite applause, but he really showed some facial expression on those numbers you were just alluding to uh, about the Biden recovery. Uh, he was <laughs> eyes rolling in like, Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so I thought that was an interesting expression, and, and other than that, there wasn't a whole lot of that. But I think uh, I think there was something there. You know, it, it, it does remind me this this um this taking credit for for good things that that happen coincidentally when you're president. Um, that's a bipartisan um matter. Uh, you know, I don't think there's any exceptions to that. I mean, when the job numbers are good. The president and the president's spokespeople and the president's economic advisors um, take to the microphone and take credit for that. Um, and so, it, what we saw last night is not is not unique, but I um, but I do think it's a it's a mischaracterization and um, and it's taking too much credit. In fact, when Republicans do it, it bothers me more because if one believes in the importance of the free market, then you should you should. You should you should give credit to the market for creating the jobs, not credit to the government for creating the jobs. And that's exactly what President well, Biden did last night, and and we've seen it um, from from Republicans as well. And I think that for me personally, as someone who gives the credit to the to the innovators, to the employers, to the job creators, to the businesses, the managers, that's where the credit for for the rebound lies. Not entirely, of course, government plays a role. That's why we worry and ponder public policy is because public policy can help or hinder uh, these efforts. But but much of it is the responsibility of, of the economy itself. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in fact, it's really often limited to creating a st st stable, consistent policy, uh, policies that are across the board, uh, fair, uh, rule of law, um, you know, uh, ideas that recognize that incentives matter. Those are those are really the only things that really come to mind to a public policy perspective in terms of principle. You know, uh, but to me, you know, it's like uh, these job creation success are are often in spite of government, certainly not because of government. 
That's definitely the case. And, and, and these issues, it's true both for the job numbers and it's true for other important economic metrics as well. And I, I mentioned before the, this issue around the deficit. Yes, the deficit came way down in the last two years as the pandemic funding um, uh, naturally expired. Um, but that's not to say that, you know, that, you know the, 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 how to assign that credit or blame for the deficit is not the responsibility only of the president who's, who's in office. The spending is, that we see, the deficits that we see are, are a function of both the current president's policies, but also the accumulation of all the policies um, that come before. And that's, that's where we get so many of these uh, fiscal problems. It's not the, the, the result of one president, but it's the mismanagement of our fiscal um, house by so many presidents. Yeah, yeah, that uh, bipartisan that fiscal responsibility is pretty bipartisan. Uh, they may have different priorities of what they want to uh, spend on, but uh, they're both spending, and so, so that's yeah. that's a big part of the uh, issue. Um, I really did not like, and I'm not, you know, again, he's trying to get put his best foot forward. A lot of the polling, you know, to me, you know, I know you you're not a pundit, and you kind of shy away from punditry, uh, you know, a little bit, but uh, you know, to me. It seems like the media really wants Biden to go. I know that seems like a strong statement, but uh, they really uh, posture him news-wise as one that uh, they worry about him. And I'm talking about the more biased left-wing media. They worry about him, you know, uh, being able to win re-election. And it's certain, certainly a reasonable concern for a lot of reasons, or even being available to run. I don't mean to be ugly, but, uh, you know, he's 80 years old, and I don't think he's a particularly spry 80-year-old at that. Um, but, uh, you know, this, this whole treatment on his part about the inflation issue, I found that really quite odd, the whole inflation uh, discussion and, and how cursory it was. This is something we hadn't seen since the early 80s, and it's comparable to that. And this isn't even over with yet. And, and I don't know, I, I, I thought the treatment of it was kind of disingenuous on his part. You know, it's a, it's a good point that you make. And what struck me is it's the inflation issue seems to be one where it's particularly difficult to fool the American public. I mean, if you don't work, even if you do work in manufacturing, I could fool you by telling you a national statistic about the number of manufacturing jobs that were created because you're not keeping track of the number of national manufacturing jobs. But with respect to inflation, I think it is really hard to trick or mislead the American public. And, and so we have a serious problem with inflation. We've had for a while a sustained serious problem with rising prices. And he made a claim last night about inflation coming down and wages going up. And I don't know that perhaps, perhaps you can find that in the data. I mean, obviously the rate of increase for, of inflation is slowing. I mean, that we are making progress here, but we have very high inflation. We continue to be well above our targets and wages have not kept up. Um, yeah. And people know that people know that when they go to the supermarket, they know that when they, they go to the to the to the mall, and they know that when they look at their paycheck at the, you know bank account at the end of the month, and it seemed you know from a political perspective, you know, like just not not wise to try to tell people that inflation is different or, or suggest that it is not as bad as it, as it has been. 
Um, that that's not yeah. going to resonate well with voters. Yeah, that that was a good Samuel Clemens <laughs> example right there of damn yeah. uh, damnable statistics and then you know and, and uh, you yeah. know lies. Um, but uh, you know, and and we have yet to feel the consequences of his victory lap. Uh, you know, of the five hundred thousand jobs created in the last job reports. Woohoo! Meanwhile, the Federal Reserve is telling us, yeah, we need to see that stopping. We want to get this inflation behind this. And so I think, yeah, we had a nice little pause, but we don't know how long that pause is going to last. And, uh, yeah, a lot of theater in this. Um, Let me ask real quick, you know, and this is kind of geeky, but he did mention the 1930s uh, Build America uh, Act that uh, 1930 uh, is when that passed. And when I hear any policy being pushed from you know, 1929 until the early 1940s in an economic perspective, those were all Depression-era policies. You know, and those policies largely were unsuccessful. They were horrific. They had terrible consequences. And, you know, and I look at that Build America policy, because I looked it up because I'm I'm weird that way. You know, it was a very, uh, you know, kind of xenophobic, kind of violated the laws of comparative advantage, which you and I both knows is what makes economies work. And, uh, you know, it was a really odd reference to that. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, we shouldn't build America when it makes sense. I'm not sure if it should be what is essentially industrial policy, like the Japanese did decades ago, with really negative consequences. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, 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 get, I get uncomfortable with some of that uh, kind of talk. And, by the way, you know, you know the old saying, if goods aren't crossing borders, troops are. The United States, I think, has a very xenophobic economic policy and has for quite some time. I want stuff to be affordable. Talk about American-made cars. No one wants, you know, uh, the, the, the cheapest Ford uh, costing over 100 grand, which is what it would be if it were bumper-to-bumper American. <laughs> no one wants yes. that. And so this, this kind of talk always makes me kind of uncomfortable. Your thoughts? Yeah, so uh first uh I'm I'm a strong free trader that means that we need to export and it means we need to import. I'm a believer in the in the powers of comparative advantage that, that you referenced a moment ago. Um and and I wish that more people shared our view about this because the it, the the public opinion about this is trouble troubles me. Um I'm not as familiar about, um, you know, the, the policies from the 30s and 40s that, that the president referenced last night. To me, it, it it only reminds me that he is in his 80s or he is 80, I think. Um, uh, so I think that those those uh, those references from from long ago don't necessarily serve him serve him well. And 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 more broadly, as this is I think we're just suggesting. I mean, we're in a different world and, and we're and we're glad and lucky that we are right. And so, um, yes, we need infrastructure. Yes, we, we need we need to build here in America. Of course, we do. That that's part of production um, and efficiencies. Um, but but that's not. But I but I agree with you. I wouldn't model our future off of the policies of um, of eighty years ago. Yeah, policies that took decades to recover from. By the way, yeah. it took a long time to recover that's right, from that. That's right. Better said, and, that's right. And those and those things became a fuse for World War II. You know the classic statement attributed to Basquiat, but apparently wasn't uh, that if goods are not crossing borders, troops are. I think it is uh, beyond coincidental that the Smoot-Hawley Tariff Act of '29 
uh, you know, uh, contributed to an environment that led to World War II. And so not only are these policies anti-consumer, uh, you know, and xenophobic, they lead to serious uh, conflict. And uh, I, I think a lot of stuff that goes on today with Russia and China have an economic bent to them that we're not going to know until after the fact. And that's, again, mm-hmm. terrifying. Alex Brill, AI.org, my favorite, uh, one of my favorite people to geek out with. I don't get to have these kind of heavy <laughs> economic talks with many. And uh, always love my time with you. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. And I'll see you again soon, I hope. Yeah, absolutely. I am Kevin Price. This is The Price of Business. Stay tuned for more.